Boy, it's great to see you. I want to welcome all of you that are here on campus, those of you that are joining us through Church at Home, that we are truly one church meeting in many locations today. And we want to say welcome to all of you. We're excited about continuing our discussion with you today on this subject that we started last week about we're at war. So grab your Bibles, your devices, and whether you're here or at home, and turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to get there in a moment. We're going to make a little stop in Ephesians chapter 6 for a moment, but Ephesians chapter 2 starting at verse 14, and we're going to talk about that of this simply we're at war. So last week we started this conversation, and um, Growing up, you know, growing up, that thing about me is that when it came to a fight, that I was not a fighter. Now, I don't know how many of you are fighters and lovers. We're going to take a little survey in just a moment. For those of you in the room, for those of you at our church at home today, we're going to take a little survey. But yet, um, I was never uh, a fighter, much more uh, a lover. So yesterday, I asked Reba, what was I? I said, you know, you got to be honest with me. What was I, a fighter or a lover? And so while I was, um, while I was doing her nails, and, and that's exactly, that's true, right? I, I was doing her nails that we discussed this, right? Am I a fighter or a lover? And I had in my mind an answer, but I wanted to know what she thought. And so what she said to me is this, that she said, I was a hybrid between the two. I don't know. Was that a real answer or is that a cop out? I'm not sure. I think it's a real answer that I was a hybrid between the two. I'm also a fighter and a lover when it comes to conflict. So what are you? A lover is that one, the guy or the girl that says, hey, let's talk about this. You know, let's, let's kind of discuss this and we're going to kind of work it out and avoid a fight if possible. A fighter is that of bring it on. If you want to go there, I'm willing to go there with you kind of deal. So let's take a little survey. How many of you in the room are lovers? Let me see your hand if you're a lover. Okay, look around. All right, spouses, look at the person next to you. Are they telling the truth? Put your hand down. How many of you are fighters? Anybody, are you fighters? Oh, put your hand up really high. Hold them up high. Come on, I want to see the fighters. Those are the people you need to stay away from, okay, when you leave today, right? So if you, know, if you want to have the discussion, let's have it. Let's kind of wade into this completely. And so what I've learned about myself myself about Mark and conflict is that when conflict comes, I sometimes get anxious. I don't know if you are ever there, but sometimes I get anxious. There's anxiety because the more I lean into myself, what I realize is that the greater there is an erosion of the peace that's in my life. Someone once said, I I read this some time ago, that there's a reason why the letter I is stuck right in the middle of the word anxious Because when I am the center of my life, when I am the center of the situations, the circumstances, and the conflicts of my life, when I'm trying to work those things through for peace within myself, normally there's no peace when there's a focus upon me. And so, but when I understand that Christ is our peace, and we're going to read that this morning in that of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14. But when I read that, what I realize that that is my position in him and my position in Christ, that when there's all types of reasons around me to be anxious, what I realize is I can find peace in God. Yes, because there is this battle in our lives. Oh, there's many battles in our lives, but there is this battle for this idea There is this battle for this ideal within my life and your life for that of peace. It's a huge battle in in all of our lives, I think, this morning. And, And that we have peace in our lives even when things seem to be out of control. And we, we, we addressed this subject last week. I want to talk about it for a moment again. That sometimes we don't always go looking for a fight. We don't. A fight finds us. I don't know if you've experienced that in life or not. But many times you don't always go looking for trouble. You go looking for worry or concern or anxiety in your life. But yet those things find you in life. 
So I, I thought, I wrote this in my notes this week. Is it possible to live completely free of anxiety and worry? In this life, is it possible for you and I to live completely free of anxiety and worry? And can I tell you, no, it's not. In my opinion, it's not. That's a read scripture. Because what Christ promised us, he promised us a lot of things in life. And one thing he did promise is this, that in this life, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have trial. He said, but be of, of good cheer, he said. Be, a, be of good heart because I've overcome the world, he tells us. Scripture gives us this firm foundation about peace in our lives. It gives us tools to combat those moments when we're anxious. It gives us tools to combat those moments when we find that we are uh, locked in that conflict of worry, but we're at war. So as I begin today, can I read you two verses from War and Peace? You say, Mark, what are you talking about? Are you talking about the novel? No, no, I'm talking about the Bible. The Bible is the greatest authority on love and peace. And the Bible is the greatest authority on, on that of whether we are lovers or fighters. And so Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 14 says this, or War and Peace. So Ephesians 6 and 14 says this, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. This is a warrior. This is a warrior that is talking about and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. We have an enemy this morning in our lives, but it's not God. We established that together last week in our teaching. We have an enemy, but it's not God. Can I take it a little further and say to you, it's not the person sitting next to you. Mark, you don't understand the ride to church this morning. You don't understand the conversations that we've had this week. You just don't understand. But it's not the person next to you. And you say, how do you know who's sitting next to me? Even especially those that are watching from church at home. How do I know? And it's a generalized statement. What it's saying to you is it's not people. But I want to talk to you for a moment about that. Because when we get into Ephesians chapter 2, what we're going to find is that Paul talks to you and I about peace in our life. But he also talks to us about peace in our life in context of relationships with others. And I think that's important because some of you are thinking, man, if I could just get to an isolated Caribbean island all by myself, then I'm going to have some peace in my life. And I tell you, today, escapism is not real peace. It's not because eventually you have to have peace within yourself. And what I've discovered in my life is that sometimes the most unpeaceable times in my life, the, the, the times of conflict within my life, the most peaceful times within my life are those moments when I'm alone and I'm subjected to the rigors of my own thoughts. Those are the most unpeaceful times of my life. David says in the book of Psalms, why are you so cast down, O my soul? Put your trust in God, he says. In a moment when he's alone and he's subject to the rigors of his own thoughts, that is the moment when he is most anxious. So he's saying, if I could just eliminate some of the media platforms of my life, you know, if I could just stop watching the news, if I could turn NBC, ABC, CBS, or Fox off, then, then I could probably have some peace in my life. Can I tell you, there's a reason that your remote has an on and off button on it. There really is, right? And you use that to turn that off. You walk away. But I want to be informed. There are a lot of ways I think that you can stay informed without inundating yourself with all the negativism that's going on in the world. Oh, but people just get on my nerves. If I could eliminate all the people around me, then my life would be peaceful. As attractive as that is, peace would still elude you outside of the truth that Christ himself is our peace. That's it. You see... Peace, as we know from scripture, 
is not a peace that's based on you and I being isolated. No, it's experienced in community. It's experienced with one another. It's experienced in relationships. It's experiencing functioning and doing life. We're at war. Yes, we function in what we have always said here as the already but not yet. And, and that is that, yes, we are redeemed. But the culmination of our redemption doesn't completely take place till that of the coming of Christ. In other words, we're in a war. We're in a world that's full of tribulation. And we're going to have conflict. We're going to have conflict. It's going to happen within our lives. There's going to be moments that we are anxious because this is war. And what I realize is there's two battlefronts in my life. One is the battle within my life. And the other is the battle outside of my life. Within, it's the battle between my flesh and my spirit. My flesh is always wanting to get its way. My spirit is fighting that all the time. And then there's the battle outside of my own life. And in many times that battle involves us in relationships so let me talk to you for a few moments about this internal battle for peace within our lives and to do that i have to start with basics for a moment and so um i have to get the right one up here uh that's not it let me get these settled i had them right and they're all upside down and so let me talk to you about me for a moment okay let's let's start there this is Mark's body. Now, what I realize is that you and I, there's more to us than this. I understand that. But this is where we start. We're going to start with Mark's body. Now, what is that? That's the flesh part of me. That's the selfish and sinful part of me. We understand from Scripture that that's the part of me that has the propensity or that tendency to sin. That's the part of me that wants to take care of self and no one else. That's the part of me that wants to control you to get my own way. And so... That's Mark and that's my body. But there's more to that than, than uh, Mark than just his body. But also there is Mark's soul. Yeah. And, and what I realize about my soul is that that's my personality. You know, that's, that's who I am. That's this charming sense of humor that I have. And you say, Mark, you don't have a sense of humor. You're just weird. You know, that's what it is, right? And, and you've experienced my, so it's my charming, you know, it's my charming weirdness is, is what this is, right? So that makes up who I am. But I also realize that there's another part of me and, and that is my spirit. And what I understand about my spirit is this. That's the part of me that God wants to arrest. That's the part of me that God wants to apprehend in life. That's the part of me that God wants to control. So at redemption, God simply takes control of my spirit. He takes control of that part of my body. But prior to this, prior to this, then Mark's body is in control of things. That's who's in control of things. So what my body wants, my body gets, you know, I kind of make a way for that to happen, right? If it wants something, then I'm going to make a way for that to happen because I'm led by my flesh. And so you can see this battle within yourself. Listen, this is why you don't have to go looking for a fight. This is exactly why, because this is taking place inside of you every day, every moment of your life. No wonder we're anxious in life. And we all of a sudden we realize, well, why am I anxious? What's going on in my life? It's because this internal battle is taking place within you. So all of a sudden here comes redemption. Christ shows up in our lives that Christ makes that move toward us. We always say, well, I made a move toward God. No, God chose you. 
Understand that. We bring nothing to the table. So God makes that move toward you and I. And then all of a sudden there's a change in the order that controls us. And so all of a sudden through redemption, what happens is this. The body goes to the back. The spirit comes to the front. And all of a sudden, that's not the spirit. That's the soul. Okay, there you go. Now, there it is. And so all of a sudden that we are led by our spirit. And you say, Mark, that's wonderful. Because it's what... Christ regenerates within us that we were once dead, but now we're alive. We were once lost in lost in darkness, but now we are simply living in light. And then I I thought about this. It's hit me about our soul and our personality, because what I realize is this. Sometimes when people come to Christ, you know, we think, man, they they, they still have the same personality. Things have not always changed in their life. And what I realize is this is sometimes that stays the same. It really does. Yes. I've met people that are saved and they love God, but they're, they're, you know, they're just as grouchy now as they were before they were saved. Right? Yes. Don't look at anybody if they're around you right now, because that's true. But then what God does is that he regenerates us. But here is the, here's the, the challenge that we're being led by the spirit But because of the world that we live in and we're still living in this world, then the challenge is the body is still there. It's still there. You know, it's going to be there until, well, one of two things happen, right? Until we leave this world by death or we leave this world by the return of Christ and he makes all things new. So here's the struggle that even though I'm regenerated, and I'm saved or whatever term that you feel comfortable using this morning, that I still have this to contend with. And that is the struggle within me. And that's the struggle within you this morning that we're redeemed. We're, but we're living in the already, but the not yet. We still live in this world. There's going to be struggle. And because of the body being there, even though the spirit is regenerated because of the body being there, then you and I are going to still worry that we're still going to have concerns. We're still going to be fearful at times. There's moments in our life that we're still going to be anxious and we're believers, but we're still going to experience those kinds of things. Because why? Because the body doesn't give up easily. Yes, Christ is in me is, is greater. Absolutely. But this answers why that we have battles when we don't always go looking for them. David was probably one of the greatest writers in scripture who experienced this and shared this with us. And he says this to you and I in the book of Psalms, Psalm 139 and verse 23. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. The NIV adds the word anxious before thoughts. Know my anxious thoughts. That you see, I can put all that's going on in this world. I can put all that's going on in this world on the economy, that's why I'm anxious. I can put all that's going on in this world through, through you know, on COVID-19 and, and all those inconveniences and all the tragedies taking place. I can put all that's going on in my life on the unrest of the world in general over my relationships. But in the end, but in the end, this has to come back to me. Realize that. This has to come back to me. David says, search me, oh God. Know my heart. Search me, O God, and know my thoughts. Because the journey for peace in my life today starts with me. It starts with me. I've always said, and I say this again to you, that all journeys begin at home. 
And it's going to be a struggle and a conflict for our life because the body doesn't give up easily, even though the spirit has been regenerated. But yet what I realize is this, that it begins with me. The war within my life, the lack of peace, but it doesn't stay within me very long because eventually that war within me affects things around me externally and they're fleshed out. And when I'm anxious and when I'm worried and when I lack peace in my life, then what happens is that those around me and those close to me become the targets of my life because I know that you can take it, right? So I'm going to unload on you. And so what I realize it comes out of my words and my actions and my deeds, my disparaging behavior toward other people that I want to control you because my spirit says I should love you and I should care for you. But yet my body says I should love my body and care for my body first before anything else. And Paul says to you and I, Hey, in the middle of all of this that's going on in your life, can I talk to you about some peace? Yeah, that's what I need. I need to hear that. Can I talk to you about some peace? Because in our mind, when we think about peace, what you and I think about is that peace comes at the end of a war. Peace comes at the end of the battle, whether it's by surrender or victory, that we get peace at the very end of the conflict. And what Paul teaches us this morning is this, that peace comes in the middle of the conflict of our life. That peace comes in the middle of the battle, in the middle of those things, before everything is settled externally and internally, they become in the middle. So what about our external battle for peace? It's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. I finally got there. Yes, it took me half the sermon to get there, but I'm here, right? Ephesians 2.14 says, for he himself is our peace. There's the text. There's the saying. There's the words. Those are so powerful. He himself is our peace. That's good, but we have for context, we have to read the rest of it. It says this, who has made Uh, Who has made us both one, that there's division, there's conflict, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. And, you know, when we think about Christ, the incarnate Christ coming to this world, we think, yes, I understand it. He came to bring peace. Absolutely. He came to preach peace to you and I through the gospel. We understand that. But this verse takes it even a step further. And what he says is this, in the middle of conflict, in the middle of division, that what God says to us is that he is our peace. It's more than that, that just what he does, but it's who he is. We say God is love. We understand that God is love. Yes. But also we have to realize that God is peace. He is our peace. It is who he is. And so when we look at that, what we realize in that statement is we realize who we are in light of who he is, that he is our peace, that he breaks down all those walls of division, that division between us as sinful creation and that of God as being a holy father. He breaks down that wall, but not only does he break down the wall between father God and us, but he breaks down the wall between you and I. That he brings peace in our relationships. First with God and secondly with one another. He removes those dividing walls. We become one with the Father and one with each other. So what does that mean? He brings peace in the internal battle of our lives. And he brings peace in the external battles of our lives. Even in a broken world. If you take this text and look at it contextually, what we realize is this. This is about the relationship between Gentiles and Jews. Is what it is. And what he says is this, that he takes that of Jews and Gentiles and he makes a new race and that is a race within him. It's a very powerful thought. He breaks down all of those walls. 
Verse 15, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed by ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God by one body through the cross, therefore killing the hostility. It's the gospel of peace. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off us and peace to those who were near to the Jews. Peace is realized when we realize our position in Christ. That is it. When we realize who we are in God in light of who he is, that is where we find peace. It's not the absence of conflict. It's not that at all. It's not removing everything that bothers us in life. It's not that at all. It's not removing all the risk. Because for me to love you, there is great risk. It's the understanding of who I am in him. It is. That I am his. He says, you're no longer Gentiles, you're no longer Jews, but now you are mine. I am his. Back in the day, when, uh, you know, we would go to the mall. I mean, you go to the mall now, and and you just like, you know, things are closed, and it's a very odd time, right? So back in the day when we go to the mall, then, then what I always do when I go with Reba is I look for what I call the pity seats. Do you know what the pity seats are? Do you know what they are? The pity seats are those chairs that used to be in the middle of the mall where all the men sit while their wives shop. Those are the pity seats. Why do you call them pity seats? Well, I call them pity seats because people walk by and they look at you and you're sitting there. And they thought, oh, look at him. He's so sad. I wonder how long he's been sitting there. And, and you give them the look of I've been here three days with no food and no water, right? Yes, waiting on my wife. Absolutely. For those men in the room that actually accompany your wife into this store, good for you. I'm, I'm glad. I mean, good for you. That's, that's wonderful, you know? But I always try to find the pity seat. And I sit there. Do you know of all the years that I have done that, of all the years that I've sat in the pity seats, I have never had someone come up to me and say, young man, are, are you okay? Uh, where's your parents? Are you lost? I've never had, why? Because I'm a grown man, right? And, and, and they would never say that to me. Because there's a point in your life where you're no longer defined by your parents because of your age or station in life. But if one of my boys were still five years old and they were sitting in the pity seat all by themselves, then someone would come by and what would they think? Where's your parents? Are you alone? Are you okay? Or are you lost? Why? Because of their station in life. And then I would come up and I would say to them, first of all, I'd probably say, hey, why are you talking to my kid? First of all, right? And then I would say, hey, I'm, I'm that child's father. That's my son. They belong to me. Why? Because they're defined by their parent or who they belong to. This is exactly what God is teaching us here. That we're defined by who we belong to. Understand that. And that isn't, that regardless of your age, whether you're five or 85, it doesn't matter. That we're defined by who we belong to. And what Paul is teaching us is this. That we're defined by Christ. We belong to him. So what I realize that peace is brought in my life. By knowing my position in Christ. Who I am in him. So that doesn't mean that everything in my life is going to go smooth. That doesn't mean that all the bumps are going to be smoothed out. And and all the winds that blow against me are going to stop. And all the waves that crash against my boat in life. You know theoretically are going to stop. No. But what I realize when I understand who I am in Christ. Who I belong to it gives me a peace regardless of what happens around me that's what he's teaching us but we still have mark hanging around right and it's a battle it's a struggle for all of us in the middle of that 
So what about my journey? What about my journey to peace? Because can I tell you, it's a growth process, right? Is, I, I would love to say that we could like drag you down to the front. We have to practice social distancing, you know? So if we laid hands on you, we have to do it like six feet away from you, right? So we would just have to do this number and you sit over there, stand over there. But what I would say to you is this, that I'm not saying that would harm or hurt anything, but what I would say to you would be is that peace in our life is a growth process. It's an understanding of the character and nature of God and who he is that results in our peace. It's peace doesn't come to you and I through the elimination of all of our enemies. You know, God, if I could just submit to you a hit list, you know, you know what I'm saying, right? If I could just submit to you a hit list, God, then I, you know, I won't be selfish. I'll just give you 10 names, but a, a hit list of people that I could eliminate around me, then peace would be found in, in that. And can I tell you, that's not where you find peace. It's found in the growth of our relationship and understanding with him. Can I even get more specific? Peace is not found in the elimination or even the vaccine for COVID-19. Because here's the thought. Some of you are struggling with peace in your life and you were overcome with anxiety in your life way before COVID-19. It's just exasperated it. Yes, absolutely. You have different things to be concerned about and worried about. Well, I think I would have some peace if I could just return to church like church was before. And can I tell you, no, it's about growth within our life. Let me share a story with you before we pray. It's the book of Mark chapter four, verse 35. Mark four thirty-five. Here's the story. It's a great narrative. It says, on that day, when evening had come, he said to them, to his disciples, let us go across to the other side. And, the, and leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And another boat was with them. And a great windstorm arose. I stopped there to make a point, and it's this. There's two storms, and we're going to talk about them for a moment. And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. Only God can sleep through a storm like that. Why? Because he controls the storm. Exactly right. He knows, he knows that. He, he controls the weather. But he's fully God, fully man, so he's fatigued from teaching. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? There's this deficit of peace and there is this abundance of fear. And many times those two are mutually exclusive. The more fear I have, the less peace I have in my life. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? He could have said, have you no faith? But he used the word still because they have been walking. They haven't been been skipping class. They've been there. Have you still no faith? And the text says, and they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Their lack of peace was based proportionally to that of their lack of understanding of who he is. Do you see that? You see, that day there was two storms. Say, Mark, only read about one, I know, because one you don't see, really. But you hear the response from it. There's the storm, the natural storm of the waves and the wind, and there's this 
raging hurricane in the hearts and the lives of the disciples. One is due to the natural. One is due to their lack of understanding of who God is. Their storm is a lack of confidence in him. Is what it is. Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? They don't question the fact of his ability. They question whether he cares and he loves them enough to stop the storm. It's a thought. They know enough about him to know that he's God and just as a word spoken that he can stop the waves and the storms, but yet they've missed the fact that he loves them and cares for them enough that he is not going to allow them to perish. And I thought about this. As we have these internal and external battles in our lives, as we become anxious over so many things in this world, They had a fear. They didn't want to drown. And I understand that they had this fear. Understandable completely. But what I realize is this. He's in the boat. He's in the boat. And really, does anything after that matter? Because he's in the boat. So things can be raging in our lives. Things can be upside down at times and uncertain. We can feel pressure like we've never felt before. Man, our anxiety levels can go from a three to a 10 just in moments. But I think the question that we have to really ask ourselves is this, who's in the boat with us? Because when he's in the boat with us, does anything after that really matter? Does the storm matter? Does the effect of the storm matter? If they had grasped Christ at this point like they did after the resurrection, would even living or dying even matter because he was with them? And after the resurrection, they would have told you as disciples, no. So who's in the boat with you this morning? And can I tell you? It's the one that controls all the storms of our lives. The internal ones the external ones. He controls all of those. So rest in him and find peace this morning. The thought I think is, as David said to us, search our hearts, Lord. Search my ways, search my thoughts. Because truly if I'm dealing with a lack of peace in my life and a heightened anxiety level in my life, that I have to say, God, search my heart. Because have, have I forgotten that you're in the boat with me this morning? So for a moment, would you allow me to pray with you and pray over you by bowing your heads for a moment? Those of you that are in the room, those of you that are joining us by church at home, would you just allow me to have a prayer with you today?
And then during this prayer, that you would search your heart, that you would search your thoughts, allow God to speak to you this morning about peace in your life. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you know us so well. That even when we attempt to hide things, you know everything about us. So Lord, for a moment, let's just push the hiding to the side. For a moment, let's just push. Lord, maybe the, the front or the facade that we place before even you, God, to the side. And we say to you, Lord, with all sincerity, God, search my heart. Search my ways. Search my thoughts, God. Lord, for those places of worry and doubt and fear that reside within me, that, God, that you would simply rush in with your great peace within my life, knowing that I belong to you, understanding, God, that, that you are in the boat with me today. And really, after that, is there anything else that matters? So, Father, you are here. And you will be here with me when I leave this building and when I go back to my home. You'll be here with me, God, when I venture out. You'll be here with me, God, when I face conflict because you're in the boat with me. Truly, after that, does anything else matter? So, Lord, let this be a moment that I grow in peace with you, understanding who you are and who I am in you. Change me, Father. Let your peace just flood into my life. And for those moments of anxiety that will come, I will turn to you. Father, we thank you for that. In your name we pray.